Daily Podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, how's everybody doing? Um, a miraculous effort all around. Um, we're going to get into this here with Pete Smith. Um, kudos to everybody. Um, look, player-wise, we'll get to all that. Freddie Kitchens, uh, you know, other than a, you know, a couple of cute play calls, which, hey, I get, man, maybe if you're feeling in the moment, you, you try to go a little too deep. But other than that, a, a fantastic job by Freddie Kitchens. Uh, the defense, and this is things that we mentioned. Look, these D-line can play a lot of reps. If they're not playing in the 80s number, um, ball control. You know, Pete, we talked about this last night with him. Um, I put out the video today. Control the ball, control the clock with Duke Johnson, with Nick Chubb. There's uh, there's a lot of good that we're going to get to here today. I mean, I'll be honest with all my notes I have here. I don't know how many negatives other than hopefully Zettel didn't hurt himself after a phenomenal performance by himself. Uh, Pete Smith joining us here, guys, for the Locked On Browns pod, uh, uh, postgame podcast. Win over the Atlanta Falcons, brought to you tonight by MyBookie.com. Pete, uh, fun day, dude, fun day. The Browns dominated the Atlanta Falcons, and the only reason the, ga- the game was the only reason the game was even as close as it was was because the Browns st- shot themselves in the foot a couple of times early with it, it, it was too cute, too a lot of things. I, I get it; they practiced it. it. Clearly, they wanted to do it, but. If you don't have those issues, it was just dominance for four quarters. And they did everything we talked about in the preview show, which was they needed to get a lead into the half and force the Falcons into a game they didn't want to play, which is exactly what happened, uh, and force the Falcons to sort of have to defend both areas of the offense, which they couldn't do. And, you know, you get it, as, as much as football is about X's and O's and all that stuff – this game just ended up being about tackling and blocking, and the Browns were just better at both of those things than the Falcons were. Yeah, we'll hit it on the offensive side of the ball, but, I mean, there's just so many, I mean, you know, normally by mid-third quarter when you realize, you know, this one may not go your way, the notes come, but it was just more and more as it went on. Uh, Baker Mayfield literally started out like a surgeon, Pete. Um, but the other thing, hard counts. Running when he needed to. You, I mean, the guy is good, but then there's getting yourself to NFL veteran looking good. And Pete, he's getting there, and he's getting there pretty quick. Well, the, the, there were a couple of things, and, and you you sort of hinted at it with the with Freddie Kitchens and the play calling and the initial script, which was great. And 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 you give him a lot of credit in the sense that like a lot of the schemed scripted plays did exactly what they're supposed to, providing open receivers and things, and then it was like fitting that pass into Njoku and then throwing that pass to Richard Higgins where it went from he's making the plays he's supposed to, the plays that are wide open, like the check down, which is free yardage. He's doing those things, and then he makes those two extra plays where he goes from good, efficient quarterback play to great. This is what the difference between you know a pretty good quarterback and what you hope is a great quarterback, and he did those things. And he showed you the other thing he showed you was being supremely confident. When he initially fumbled the football, when he got pressured, he picked it up and ran with it. In the end zone, when they ran the play action after a couple uh, meaningless you know, false starts, but still something that can sort of make you get a little off kilter, uh, just having false starts when you're at your basically own inch line, he wasn't nervous, he wasn't afraid, he wasn't anything, just supremely confident, sitting back there in the pocket, delivering a pass, uh, you know, in a situation where, where guys are inclined to sort of, you know, be even the most confident can be a little shaken in that situation. And he and he, like you said, he looked like a like a 10 year pro just sort of waiting back there, going through his thing, taking exactly what was there for him. And, and he looked better and more comfortable even with the 
difference in gaudy numbers than Matt Ryan did. And that, and that was the thing. I mean, it, it's and it's efficiency, and it was the three touchdown passes. Uh, and look, new, uh, Nick Chubb, uh, more of Duke Johnson, and it's you know, you're starting to see that other teams view these outside guys and this tight end as weapons. Look, everybody knows Duke Johnson's going to kill you at the end of the day, but you've got to cover everybody else. So it's, all right, are we going to pick our poison with Duke Johnson? And and that's what happens. And it makes it that much easier um, between him and Nick. I mean, we got to be talking somewhere in the range of 250 total yards from these two guys, two young guys just taking over the game. Nick Chubb, look, even if you take out the 92-yard touchdown run, this was a fantastic game. And then you put in the longest run in Cleveland Browns history. And I do want to give a little bit of hat tip here to Antonio Callaway. I don't know if he peaked at the big board or not, but he knew where the last guy was in the line of defense. And he was just pointing left. Nick took a hard left, was gone. I mean, just beautiful. And, you know, look, we, we there's some guys that we respect in this business who weren't as big on Nick Chubb as some of us were. Look, you know, me and Pete, we both like these guys. Pete chose Nick. I chose Sony. It wasn't that we didn't like either of them. And, you know, we do needle with some guys who write and cover this. They weren't big Nick Chubb fans. There was the one play where he was kind of stacked behind the right guard. Boom. Vision to the left. Ended up picking 11 yards. A ridiculous effort. And I don't even know if Carlos Hyde dressed today in Jacksonville, Pete. Uh, I checked earlier, and unless he unless he's playing some later in this game, like in the second half, which I doubt, uh, he's got six carries for 11 yards. Nick Chubb had, let's see, he averaged seven, eight point eight point <laughs> eight yards per carry and 11 yards per reception today. Uh, but, you know, the, the long touchdown was great. Antonio Callaway's awareness on that was fantastic. But, you know, that stuff they had a little bit with, uh, with Isaiah Crowell. What separated Nick Chubb from, you know, giving you what Crowell did uh, in the big plays that he could give you and, and separating himself from uh, Carlos Hyde and doing the sensible plays to get you. He did both those things. He showed great patience on a few runs, finding the hole, waiting for things to open up, uh, and just picking his spots. I mean, And the offensive line, especially the interior, did a fantastic job. And this was a big difference, obviously, having Greg Robinson. He had some penalties, but he's just physically massive where he just runs at you know, poor Vic Beasley and some of these undersized guys, and it's like an eclipse. There's nowhere for these guys to go. And, you know, those guys up front gave him some holes. But, you know, this is where you're sort of seeing a group more in sync with each other, where the offensive line's doing their part and then the back's doing their part. Each side is sort of making the other side better. And you're just you're seeing the full product. And, yes, the Falcons are a bad defense. This is, you know, this was begging for them to, you know, run the ball against this team. But, you know, you don't go out thinking – you're going to come out with you know 207 total yards from Nick Chubb. You don't think you're going to end up setting a team record for a 92-yard run, and you don't expect, although I think this is something the Browns should increasingly add, is Nick Chubb in the passing game. He was targeted three times, caught three balls, scored one of them, uh, he, and he was effective in that. And, and, and because of guys like Duke Johnson and some of these other things where they've just got so many guys to keep, uh, keep defenders occupied – that there's just a ton of space and, and, and nobody's sitting there going, well, we got to cover Nick Chubb. There's a million other guys they got to deal with first, and it becomes almost like free yardage. Having said that, that screenplay to him where he scored was a really nice setup. I like, I love the design on that. Yeah, I mean, and Freddie did a fantastic job. It looked like everything was set up for the play to go to the left, and, you know, Nick Chubb kind of just, you know, 
quietly exited out, came through a trap door, and there was nobody there. There was nobody there to even cover him, and when he got to the goal line, it was just a simple split, and he was in. Uh, you know, Freddie Kitchens, a fantastic job. But even Pete, for me, it, it was just everybody. Uh, you know, it, you know, look, you know, uh, sure, well, yeah, we'll throw Bouchard Perriman a couple of balls. You know, Antonio Callaway, you know, it, t- you know, two big receptions. You know, Jarvis Landry. Uh, look, you still need more here. But you know, we talk more and more, Pete, and, and I'm starting to get where you, it doesn't matter. Give me a guy who can run routes and catch the ball when he's open. You don't need a big dog with Baker Mayfield. I mean, you could run with, you know, you could run with five or six Danny Amendolas. It's just the way it works because if it's there and he's got the broom and he's got the window, he's going to rip it and grip it. Well, and there are a couple of things that looked really promising. And, and this was a great, uh, this was a great day for Antonio Callaway. And this is the type, this is the Antonio Callaway you know, you were hoping you'd see you can this get year. Hoping you can get 14 to 16 games of, but that's the rust is coming off, the game is slowing down. Well, some of that, but it's also you're not expecting him to be a number one receiver or anything. You were hoping he was a little spice in Travis Benjamin. What, right. You were, I mean, initially it was obviously you had Josh Gordon, you had Jarvis Landry, you had Corey Coleman, you had David Njoku, and then you have this rookie who could take the top off a of defense or catch a screen and make a play. And that was more in line what he did, and, they, and even a little bit of a, a nod back to the preseason. Uh, that slant game, both to him and Perryman, uh, looked great. Like those weren't just good. Like those weren't just good plays by a receiver. That was good, just execution by everybody and yards after the catch. And my my thought process on this and, and looking forward, and part of the reason I, I I did not love Jarvis Landry as a fit is I don't think he's a yak guy in the sense of, yes, he can catch the ball and turn and run, but a guy like Callaway or Duke or some of these other guys, and hopefully guys they add, need to be a smooth transition from that catch and run. And Callaway, for all of his flaws, when he's right, he's fantastic at making that catch, great feet, immediately getting the ball tucked, turning up field, trying to, trying to make a guy miss. And he, he does that. He, he's a guy who can make a guy miss. In the preseason, it was obviously that touchdown. But in this game, it was catch and then make a guy miss and fight and get physical because he's a big, you know, he's a big guy for a receiver and get another 10 yards or whatever it was. That Those are the type of receivers that I think Baker Mayfield it, it needs to be Fit, uh, set up with it's not that I wouldn't love a guy like you know uh, Jay Jaws from Stanford it's just that I've, I've always just looked at him as he's a guy who can put it on the spot he knows where to throw it on time and he can work out a structure like he did on the Higgins play if you get him guys who can run run around go make a play and ca- run after the catch I think that's where this thing becomes becomes from good to great and that's sort of what I where I think like a guy like and I'm not saying they need to do this but I think that's part of the reason Hollywood Higgins was so so good at Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield is that's that's who he is Oh, well, Hollywood Brown, obviously, at, uh, at Hollywood, Oklahoma, yes. Yeah, Brown. Well, you know, they can have the uh, arm wrestling contest for the Hollywood nickname as he goes. Guys, um, this is this is your Locked On Browns postgame show, like I said, brought to you tonight by MyBookie.com. Guys, ask, adva- you know, ask advice, betting advice, whatever. You know what I'm going to tell you? I'll give you my opinion, but you're on your own. Who you're going to use to do it is almost as important as who you're going to bet on. MyBookie.com, guys. Um, first things first, guys, they sponsor over 35 shows on the NFL Network here at Locked On, that shows you what kind of franchise you're putting your money in and what kind of product you're getting from MyBookie.com. Um, they've been in the business for years. They have great reviews online. Their mobile site is clean, simple, easy to use. 
Um, that's why I'll urge you to go to mybookie.com. I don't place a lot of bets, but if I do, I will use mybookie.com. You win, they pay. It is that simple. They have in-game live betting, over/unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. MyBookie is currently slammed with prospective new members and any of you, my Browns followers. Look, guys, maybe you get a little more excited. Maybe within two weeks in the next game, maybe you want to put a couple shekels down. So go ahead to use mybookie.com. If you register your new account after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they will give you a free $25. In addition, when you make your initial deposit, they will match it up to 100%. So we have a new promo code here, LOCKEDON25, capital L, capital O. Create a new account after 7 p.m. Eastern. Get a free $25. Get the 100% in, uh, return on your investment of their money, guys. You get to play with house money. Um, mybookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com, mybookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, now, Pete, gonna flip the script here a little bit to the defensive side of the ball, and you know, guys, when I when I'm watching the game, uh, you know, and and I note it, I, I made some personal notes. Uh, somebody makes a play that stands out, I write their name down. They get a box, and you know, if they get in something else that catches my eye, something else, you know, I, I start starring it. Um, Pete carry today at the cornerback position. I've got five stars for him. He gave Julio Jones all he could freaking handle today. Right, Julio Jones got his numbers. You know, if you look, it's going to say 107 yards and 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 a touchdown. And obviously, you know, you're not going to say you know he took him away, but uh, but but uh, he definitely frustrated the hell out of Julio Jones. And and at one point, Julio Jones had to get a you know lobby for a superstar call on a play that was just oh that was terrible. I actually gave it a star. I don't care about yeah. the penalty. T.J. Carey made a great play on the ball, hand fought it out, and and they gave him a, a call. But just in general, just, this was clear. This was T.J. Carey's best game as a Cleveland Brown by far. Uh, not only because he, he did what he did in frustrating Julio Jones, but the fact was that if you went into this game and you were looking at Denzel Ward and you were looking at Demarius Randall and these other guys and and you had this the knowledge that Denzel Ward was there to take out Calvin Ridley you would have immediately go, oh, Julio Jones is going to absolutely murder T.J. Carey, who has struggled on the outside all year anyway, and he stepped up and had a great game. Like, that's, you know, this is another game where you could talk about team victory in terms of, like, almost everybody seemed to make a play from from Miles Garrett all the way down to Anthony Zettel uh, and everybody in between. But this was a guy who, in, in many ways, have been, has been left for dead uh, since signing that contract and and playing so poorly, and he you know he did more than his share to sort of help secure this win. And I'm hoping that this can sort of help him going into the bye week and, and coming out. That when they they start playing more big receivers, that maybe that's something he can do where he doesn't have to deal with like the T. Y. Hiltons and Antonio Browns as much, and he can maybe use his size a little bit and help him out there. But along with that. It was nice to have Joe Schobert back, and I, and I don't know how anyone who was doubting how good Joe Schobert was before, uh, I think I think they got a reminder of what Joe Sho- what the defense looks like when Joe Schobert's not in the game versus when he was back, and he made a bunch of big plays uh, in this one. Well, the thing with Joe is, it, it, you know, you'll never say Joe is the best player on this defense, but you need the dude that keeps everybody together. And that is Joe Schobert. And, and I mean, and you see it. You know, the arms. I mean, the arms are moving three or four times. 
before the ball is actually snapped. And you see guys peeking in, looking at Joe, making sure that they're doing the correct thing. He's directing traffic, eyes on the ball, eyes on the quarterback, everything that's going on. This defensive unit is so much significantly better with Joe Schobert playing there. And this is not a knock on Christian Kirksey. I like the guy. But Joe Schobert is the middle linebacker of this team. And still, in this day and age, in 2018, of the way NFL football is played, the defense, it's its run through your middle linebacker, and he controls it, and you just see the difference. Um, but even still, you know, you can go further. Like you said, Zettel, Chris Smith. I'm, I'm really interested to see the, the snap counts, but there was a lot of activity. And look, Jamie Collins, look, I mean, I, when I give it to you, I'll give it to you. When I'm gonna get you, when I'm gonna back you up, I'm gonna back you up. Couple of huge plays today. Obviously, the late fumble recovery uh, there. Um, the, the play that he strung out and blew up in the backfield. Uh, just a, a, a complete unit. And the fact that you know your head coach is gone, your offensive coordinator is gone. You took a you know basically a running back coach, a, a guy at an you know, right now. You're the offensive coordinator. Greg Williams run the show. This team is unified and playing hard. And Pete, you kind of teased me a little bit that, hey, well, you know, draft position, da-da-da-da. But no, this young crew, this is the bye week now. These guys get to walk around their home city for the next 14 days. The Cavaliers ain't doing much. They ain't doing much of nothing. These guys get to feel good about themselves. You know, the whole big man on campus type of thing or the toast of the town, however you want to phrase it, but just good all around. But it's almost, there's not a guy on this team who's walking out of this building tonight who didn't feel like they had some part of it. Not well. Not only that, and I hope I hope Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Ogba, and Larry Ogunjobi aren't doing too much walking in the next two weeks. But uh, somebody get I, them some wheelchairs yeah. and see them in the mall and <laughs> restaurants. Just wheel them from their tables to their cars or whatever. I'm, they, I'm they, sure they, we can work some kind of shuttle service. But in any case, uh, I think I th- I think it started with a pretty innocuous play by Derek Kindred uh, at about the second quarter where it just seemed like the defense was just genuinely fueled by what the offense was doing. They're like, what is, you know, this is a lead. We haven't had one of these in however many weeks. The idea that, that, that there was this comfort level of if we've got a lead, we can go out and, you know, play confidently, play aggressively, play what, you know, they're, they're turning into, you know, Cleveland Browns defensive football. And, they just got more and more energized as it went on because they kept making plays. And granted, at the end, the defensive line looked a little bit winded, uh, but just in general, just in general, with the energy level across the board, uh, there's no question that the two sides were sort of responding off of each other, uh, playing off each other, and and it really like they genuinely just seemed to enjoy themselves playing football. And part of that, you know, that's what happens when you've got a shot to win. But it's like you talked about. It's it's getting a win, getting a win at home, and getting a win where you don't have to sit there stewing over a loss for the next couple of weeks. And now with a young team, you're sitting there going, "We got to get healthy," but we've also got this still relatively new coaching staff, and we can sort of get the ball rolling a little bit, get more comfortable, uh, and get get really really good and hopefully and, and from their standpoint thinking shock the world a little bit when they come out of that bye week well and that's the thing and you know look guys you're not chasing the quarterback anymore so where the draft position falls look i mean you know is it going to be somewhere between seven and 14 yeah but we obviously still have six games to play so somewhere in that range so you know you're not targeting one guy just another great piece to it but, and the thing is, though, it's such a group of young guys and didn't bring up Jabril Peppers with a monster, 
stick. Uh, you know, you right at the one yard line, extended. You know, uh, you know, Atlanta there. Um, Pete, Steve Sarkeesian, and you know, look, I love Ben Albright. Ben's a good dude, and if he's re- relaying information, it's it's factual. It's what people are saying. But Steve Sarkeesian, and look, maybe Austin Hooper scored on that one. It kind of looked really close to me. I would have reviewed it personally. But seven plays, I'm sorry, eight plays to get one stinking touchdown. And it was last year in the playoffs at Philadelphia. It was this year, week one versus Philadelphia. Steve Sarkeesian, they got a problem like inside the five. They don't know what the heck they're doing as far as, you know, where their focus is, is how they're going to get their touchdowns there. It's just bad. I mean, you put the, you put the two Eagle games with today, and it's like one of 16 inside the three trying to score a freaking touchdown. Hold on, bear with me a second. Hit on it earlier. Uh, the, the, this game, in a lot of ways, came down to just blocking and tackling. But but whether it was a road thing, whether it was a cold thing, whether it was whatever, the Falcons just looked soft, and the Browns were up to the task. Being physical, and and I love the Jabril Pepper set, even though I think it was you know set up on a tee for him. That's one of those where you you know if you miss it, you're gonna you're gonna hate yourself later. It looks great. It was a little easier than than uh, than than some of the hits he can make, but you know that's that's another hit that what does it do? Energizes his teammates, energizes the crowd who's right there on top of the goal line. And and you know I think start the, the Falcons that genuinely have a problem uh, with their ability to sort of just run the ball inside. It looked like you know Todd Haley or Hugh Jackson down there. But the other part is, and it, as as bad as that was, I do have to give the credit to the Browns defense that in it took eight plays basically inside the five yard line for them to finally score. And the play they finally scored on wasn't like a well executed play. Matt Ryan's flushed out of the pocket, has to throw this you know crazy type of pass that the tight end has to uh, corral and then finally get in the end zone. He, he didn't even catch it in the end zone. He still had to go get it. Like if that if you want to talk about uh, sort of put the game in a nutshell, just from an effort standpoint, that it took this you know tremendous offense that was coming and hitting on all cylinders, and the Browns even though they gave up yards, more and more the nature of the beast when it comes to the NFL, that it took forever to the Falcons to do anything, and they had to earn everything they got. Yeah, well, And the other thing, though, is even when they got it back before that uh, before the two-minute warning, all that nonsense, I mean, they were moving, but there was nothing open deep. They did a great job of covering the deep stuff, you know, allowing the underneath and it just and it was just seeing young guys and and peppers and kindred and and Randall just seeing a bunch of young guys growing together getting confidence in, within themselves it just a great all around 53 man effort guys this is your locked on browns uh pre uh, post game show obviously yo uh, uh, 2816 winners over the Atlanta Falcons today uh just so much moment a lot of momentum a lot of highs a lot of lows you, you just from jump this team worked out well, you know. Obviously, other than Freddie Kitchens with two calls where you get a little cute, but not a nil against him. Fantastic effort, um, Matt. Guys, Matt Williamson, host of the Locked On NFL podcast. Guys, I'm going to uh, be recording with Matt tonight. Uh, actually, he got to me like very early in the second half. So Matt Williamson, a longtime NFL guy, obviously saw some confidence in how the Browns were playing today. Um, check him out. Uh, you know, you get Sage Rosenfeld, you get Mike Renner from PFF, you get Mike Sando, you get Matt's you know, game picks on Fridays. His Monday show is normally host of the Locked On Podcasts. 
Uh, I'm going to sit down, join him. So the Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson, guys, go ahead, get it into the rotation. Um, Pete, I mean, look, we're always going to wait and hear on some injuries and stuff like that. But, you know, heading into the bye week now, uh, you know, some good momentum from last week, some really great momentum from this week, and seeing these young guys, you know, learn on the fly and, you know, just with all eyes pointed towards 2019, you know, it it, it was just a fun day, a much-needed day, um, and you see the fruits of the labor. You see Baker Mayfield. You see Nick Chubb. Denzel Ward, we barely mentioned him, almost had a pick six. Just so much going on here right now, and look, you know, Greg Robinson, fantastic job at left tackle today. Um, you know, is it a long-term answer? Eh, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But you know that there's enough here. Even at the offensive line position, as up and down as it's been, you know, maybe you can find a way to, to wadge your way through with everybody that's here. Just a solid group of guys, and I think they're all just there for each other. And it's, you know, you know, you know, I am my brother's keeper is always a big, big thing within a, a locker room. And that's the kind of thing you saw today. Yes, uh, that's going to be one of the things I'm interested to see over this next two weeks is, look, it's not like Greg Robinson wasn't repping at left tackle uh, this entire season a little bit, but it's different when you're the starter and you know your left guard and your center are getting used to this is now the guy and how you blocked with that as opposed to... And I, with, even, I, was, impre- I was impressed by the penalty because, yeah, it was a penalty, but I think he was more pissed at himself that, like, this is Bruce Irvin. I gotta just, I gotta just drop this guy like a bad habit. It almost seemed like he was more mad at himself. Yeah, and and certainly you want that, you know, you want that little bit of attitude and a little bit of nasty in this. And and again, I think the Browns just were more physical, more up to, you know, what it took to win this game. And and the Falcons, and we talked again, we talked about this on the previous show. The Falcons don't want to be in, you know, tough hard-fought, close games. They've struggled in every one of those. When they win, they tend to win big. When they can get their defense going downhill, they are a team that likes to play ahead. Uh, They're built to play ahead, and when they don't, this is what happens. In a lot of ways, it looks like Peyton Manning's Colts uh, you know, when they Good were special. on their run, uh, you know, with Freeney and, and Mathis and those guys. Now, certainly Vic Beasley and and, and uh, Ir- Irvin aren't to that level, but that's the type of rushers they are. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're always going to take this. The other part of this is, and I'm genuinely curious about this, is not that Desmond Harrison wasn't the starter. He went from starting to inactive. And maybe it's something, maybe it's nothing. I'm just curious how he went from starting to not even playing. If it's an if it's the illness, and if it is, that sounds more serious. But it, my understanding is he practiced the whole week, and here we are on Sunday, uh, inactive. That you know, for you and me, that obviously immediately makes us think. Yep. Does it? You know, did did we finally step into a point where now he's? He, and I'm not saying he you know popped a bad test or something. But he's always been notoriously unreliable. And did something happen to put that into question? Or, you know, is this a little bit of, you know, Greg Williams, you know, hard assing a guy where, you know, we didn't, you know, he, not only did he, you know, not, what was he not better than Greg Robinson? We just didn't like the way he prepared himself. And this is a way to sort of send him a message. I'd like to, you know, over the course of these next couple of weeks, I, I'm curious to see where that goes. I certainly, again, I like the pickup of of Desmond Harrison. I just liked it. I always liked it better as a swing tackle as opposed to a featured starter. I think that's a valuable play. But to your point, I don't know if Greg William, Greg Robinson is the answer at a tackle spot. For example, 
you know, he could be the right tackle of the future. But in two games, I want to find out more, which is fine. Maybe this turns into John Cooper, Jonathan Cooper, who came in for the Browns and played a couple of nice games before he completely fell off a cliff. But given what you've seen so far, it, it at least stabilizes the left side. Uh, he doesn't have to be a hero. He just has to be not terrible, which is what they've been getting. Uh, and he, to his credit, you know, the, the thing with Greg Robinson is he's always been a guy who tends to have, like Sean Coleman would, he, he's sort of that Rob Deere. Well, this is, dates us a little bit. The Rob yeah, I'm Deere with you. Style, the Rob Deere style. All or uh, nothing. He had 200, 200 hit, 225 hitter with 40 home runs where he's give, you're, you know, he's either hitting it out of the park or he's going to strike out. And if Greg Robinson can sort of be a little bit more consistent where now he adds in that run blocking where he's that nasty guy that you saw at Auburn where like everybody's drooling at this kid's ability, then maybe this becomes like the reverse Cam Irving who the Browns obviously traded to the Chiefs and he's found himself to be a much better player there. Uh, this is obviously Robin's third stop. And maybe this is the charm, and in in the same breath, you you know I don't I don't have any long term hopes for Bouchard Perryman, but I'm at the same time I'm I'm open to see if he's going to change my mind over this the rest of these games, and I like the fact that the Browns are an attractive enough destination. And part of this is guys need work anyway, but that they're getting these guys who were high picks, and maybe they can get some foul money and these are the things that you know like good teams tend to have happen the patriots find a lot get a lot of these found money type guys other teams tend to find these found money type prospects it'd be nice for the browns to get a little bit of this and it's not they haven't been totally unable to do it but you know this is what where good teams happen is is make you know getting some luck in addition to creating your own this game was featured Rookies, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Jabril, Pe- Jabril Peppers, not a rookie, young kid, Denzel Ward, Jannard Avery, guys making big plays, and then you add in these other guys, and if you can get all those things, it, 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 they don't all have to work, but if you can get enough of those things to sort of click in your own way, and, and like we've been talking about all year, this was always sort of setting up to be a good coach or even just a average head coach, which they seem to be getting right now for being a pretty good team that I mean it's all falling into place now if they come out in two weeks and they lose you know we're going to be back to you know woe is me and all this stuff but even when they've been losing we've been seeing these sort of building block type performances from guys and hopefully they can keep building even if they're going to lose you can still see growth you know against the Chiefs we saw growth from Chubb we saw growth from Mayfield we saw you know stable play from Robinson this week they come in and those guys all play better than they did the week before and the Browns pull out a win. Can they now take this over the next two weeks and then finish the season and keep taking those steps forward? Where even if the Browns finish bad and they're, you know, five, you know, ten and one or however many ties they end up with, where next year you're going, look out for the Cleveland Browns with a new coach, a new attitude and all this, you know, all the cliches that you get into and adding more talent, becoming an, you know, a more attractive destination for players. And that's the thing, um, because look, I thought there were maybe you know one of two of the Bengals games they could walk away with a win with. I think the Denver game right now today looks like a winnable game. So you take this game today that really didn't look so much winnable, but they went and executed a plan and take it as winnable. Look, five wins. That's that that that's fine. It, you know, it, it doesn't matter about the draft position. 
because I think what you need, it's it's deep enough in any way that they can just continue to add pieces. But for me, one of the things where, you know, Pete says all oh, the draft spot, for me, it's if they get themselves to five wins and, God forbid, maybe six wins, you, free agents are going to take notice. And they're going to say, man, Baker's a bad dude. Look at that defensive line. You know, and you find a pass rusher who's 29-30 and a guy who's going to maybe go on a, you know, a run of one to two year deals at 30 years old. Yeah, I'll go run up a side of Miles Garrett. I got no problem with that. You've got Oba, you got Ogan Joby, Joe Schobert, man in the middle the way he is. And now the secondary, and look, you're going to get Terrence Mitchell back. And EJ Gaines, maybe not. But you add more one one more guy there. You know, Body Calhoun doing what he's doing. Randall's doing what he's doing. It's such a group effort, deep Every one of these guys finding a way to put their name in the stat sheet or making a play, it's just, it was just a fantastic Sunday, and it's good. These guys get to enjoy themselves now for the next two weeks. Six more games to go. Finish out the string. Play hard from whistle to whistle, the first one to the last one. It's been fantastic. Guys, Pete Smith always joins here for the post-game show. They, the coach in Pete enjoys an effort like this, this today. Maybe it's a new microphone. Maybe it's a, a, seeing a solid effort. You enjoy to see this type of thing, and that's why Pete, at the coach that he is, is perfect for the post-game show. Uh, read his work over at NFL Spin Zone. Follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Follow the show at Locked On Browns on Twitter. Uh, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, uh, continue with the iTunes rating reviews. It means an absolute ton. Uh, I cannot wait to get with John Costco tomorrow night for the PFF show. Uh, play out the rest of this week. we got a bye week here. There's going to be so much fun. i got some really good guests coming on. Uh, I'm going to have to open up my schedule here to start recording earlier in the day here. Um, I have some really good guests that would like to join the show, and i just got to find a way to fit them in. So we're going to do some er- you know earlier recordings to get you guys the best possible Cleveland Browns information that you want. Until we talk the next time, guys. First things first, enjoy this W. Enjoy the living hell out of it. You made a team that plays in the Dome come north, and you out-muscled them, kind of choked them out. But we will close with this. As always, guys, LGB on the LOB.